Our Father in heaven, we commit to you our brethren who are experiencing so much affliction, Lord, whether physical or spiritual. First and foremost, we commit to you, Lord, um, Sister Joanne and Fletcher, are, as they have this uh, common call for these past few days. May you bring them healing and comfort, O oh Lord. And Lord, I, we pray also and commit to you, um, Judy, who's been uh, with us for, for some time now, and although she's not a member of this church family, we continue to commit her to you, Lord. She's battling this colon cancer, O oh Lord, and it seems to metastasize already to the liver and other parts of her body, Lord. We know, Lord, that this seems to be impossible. Um, these are terminal, terminal um, diseases, O oh Lord, that we know of, Lord. But we are praying for your will, for, for her, her life, O oh Lord. And I pray that um, your will will be done in her life. But for the moment, Lord, she is in much pain because of this uh, cancer, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that you will alleviate some of those pain, O oh Lord, and comfort her. And if we are able, Lord, and he, if he, she allows us, O oh Lord, that we can visit her also and pray for her in person, O oh Lord. And perhaps assure her also of her salvation because we don't know her that much, especially her uh, spiritual life. And Lord, we pray also for Lisa for healing from this asthma and uh, for Aidan also when, as she, as he came, comes, came back, Lord, from Toronto, Lord, may you guide him and lead her, lead him, O oh Lord, into your direction. I pray that he will come back to you, come to this church again, and be revived, O oh Lord. And Lord, I pray for each one of us. There might be some unspoken prayers uh, in our midst, O oh Lord, but we pray that you will answer our prayers in your own time and way. Help us, Lord, to persevere not and not to faint in committing these things unto you, Lord. We have some members of our family, Lord, also. Immediate family or distant family members who are not saved yet, or they may be saved, but they are not attending church. They are not um, walking right before you, O Lord. So I pray that you will bring them back into your fold and help us, Lord, to be an encouragement to each one of them. We thank you that Sister Anne is back here with us to have fellowship with us to, and to um, continue to honor you and glorify you, O Lord. And Lord, we commit to you all the ministries of this church. These are not our ministries, but your ministries that you have assigned up unto us, O Lord. We pray for the March 23 event at South Arm Community Center. We pray that we will be able to invite some of our friends or co-workers or schoolmates or even some acquaintances, O Lord, so that they can also hear the, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Prepare our hearts also, Lord, as we look into this last beatitude, O Lord. And I pray that you will enrich our spirit and help us, Lord, to grow spiritually. And we thank you, Lord, for you have been with us all throughout these past eight weeks that we've been learning from the beatitudes. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. So let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. This, as I've said, is the last beatitude. And just to remind everybody, these beatitudes are not the means or the way to salvation. The beatitudes are the characteristics. These are the conduct and the behavior of people who are already saved. 
So I, can, you, I, can I invite you to stand up, please, as we read the passage? Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12. It is written, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against, your, against you falsely for my sake. Verse 12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You may take your seats. Of all the eight Beatitudes that we have studied, this is the only Beatitude that is mentioned twice in three verses, and it's only the Beatitude that is called blessed twice also. Okay, So if you look at verse 10, it says, Blessed are they. Then bless, uh, verse 11, Blessed are ye. Some people would separate these three verses as two Beatitudes, but if you can see clearly, verse 11 is an explanation of what it means to be persecuted for righteousness' sake and for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is only one Beatitude. And verses 11 and 12 are the explanation of what is verse 10 all about. Uh, nowadays, um, persecution seems to be a weird or an odd or a strange word for all of us here in this culture, right? Perhaps you can agree with me. Because when we talk about persecution, we see people who are Christians being hunted down by so-called unbelievers. For example, the ones have, uh, that are in Africa, the ones who are in communist uh, nations like North Korea, Russia, and some other parts of the world, like uh, Vietnam and Cambodia also. Those are communist nations. And we can literally see in the news that people are persecuted. Uh, just, um, I think more than a week ago, there was a couple here in Africa they were former Muslims, and someone preached to this couple through a revival meeting in Africa, and they got saved. And you know what happened several days after that? They were hunted down by their Muslim family members, and they were killed. They were executed. Right after they declared their being born-again believers, they were killed by their own family members. That's what persecution is all about, even in the Bible. And that's why when we talk about persecution in our culture, in our setting, it doesn't sometimes become so relevant to all of us, right? But we need to take note, as we will see from this passage, that persecution is not just physical. Persecution can take different forms in our life. And sadly, it's happening all over the world right now, even here in the North American culture. And that's why we are learning from this passage because we need to prepare ourselves. We need to prepare ourselves. Anytime soon, there will be a large-scale persecution that will be on and focused towards us Christians. And that's why we need to hurry up sharing the good news to people. Because imagine if many people will become Christians. Because before in the past, Christians are the majority. Now we are the minority. Can you imagine if we will be the majority again sometime soon? Perhaps there will be less persecution. But 
the mere fact that persecution is right here right now and it will be worsened it will be worsening as days and time pass by we need to be ready how do we prepare how do we respond to the persecution in our midst so as kingdom citizens what do we need to do we need to delight in persecution because persecution is inevitable why do we need to delight and rejoice in persecution because of two things when we delight in persecution we're going to receive a great reward and we will know also from this passage that we are in great company we're in the good company of all the prophets in the biblical era and also in the past during our time so delight in, the, in persecution because we have a great reward and we have a good company when we are persecuted look at verses 10 to 11 it says here bless are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven so it says here there's a reward if you are persecuted not necessarily of any other thing but because you are doing what is right in the eyes of God let's talk about what persecution means first when we talk about persecution in the Bible it's used in two forms the word persecution can mean a positive uh, meaning or a negative meaning the positive meaning for persecution is to pursue something that is good uh, let me give you an example let's turn to Philippians chapter 3 Okay. I have preached on this uh, before, I think a few months ago. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, and then 14. Okay, so Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. That word, that phrase reaching forth is also the same as the word persecution. But here it means positive. You, you reach out for something that is good. And then in verse 14, it says, I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward. That's another word for persecution, but it, they use a, a different word, but it means the same thing as pursue or to follow after but what we're talking about this morning is the negative meaning of persecution the word persecution in our passage today means to hunt down literally hunt down a person uh, during the time of Saul who became Paul a bit later you must remember in the book of Acts he was one of the primary persecutors of the church he was literally handing down Christians during that time because he said ignorantly I thought that when I was hunting this so-called sect of Jesus Christ I was doing God a favor because he thought what he was doing was right in the eyes of God but when he became a Christian he noted he acknowledged that what he was doing before he became a Christian was persecuting the Christians they, he was hunting them down and you know during that time they were not just insulting Christians what were they doing was that they were hunting these people and then imprisoning them and some of them are getting killed and even the Apostle Paul during the time before he became a Christian he witnessed how Stephen the first Christian martyr was persecuted and literally literally killed 
by stoning by his own brethren, the Jewish people. So that's how persecution started in the book of Acts. Even during the time of Jesus Christ, there was persecution. Our Lord Jesus Christ has been persecuted. People are throwing insults upon him. He was being called a crazy person, even sometimes by his own family members. So perhaps when you became a Christian in the past, when you are the only Christian, most of your family members are still in the old religion, they might have called you a crazy person or a mad person, a madman. Or perhaps, just like one person I know, she was slapped in the face by her father because of turning, because she turned away from the old religion that she had been before. All of us experience different kinds of persecution, but this is the fact. Persecution is inevitable. We cannot escape from persecution. That will happen to each one of us, one time or another. Firstly, we see here in verses 10 and 11 that persecution takes the form of physical harm, reproach, as well as false accusations. Okay? So in Acts chapter 5, verse 40, we see here that the Bible says, Into him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles, the religious leaders, these are the religious leaders, accusing the apostles of preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they had called these apostles, and what did they do? They beat them. And then they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They had literally beat these apostles, specifically Peter and John. So, persecution can take the form of physical harm. It can also take the form of reproach or insults. Luke chapter 6, verse 22 says, Blessed are ye, this is Jesus Christ speaking, when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company. That's how they reproach you. They will say, oh, you don't belong to this group. Sometimes when you are in, in, in the workplace, in the school, or oh, you are a Christian, you are a preacher, you are a, uh, a doing good all the time, and so on and so forth. You don't belong to our group. You get your own group. So they isolate us from, from them. So they separate us. Not only that, they shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil. Just like how they mentioned to Jesus Christ that he was a crazy person. And even the apostles were called crazy people. Even the apostle Paul, when he was testifying to the king of the Jews, he was said, you are a madman. You became a madman because of your belief. And sometimes, when we as Christians share the good news and we tell them about how God is so loving and how God is blessing us, they say that you're a fanatic. Right? You're, you're a fanatic. But we are not fanatics because, you know, fans, people are called fans because they just admire their celebrities without knowing who these people are. We are not fanatics because we know that Jesus Christ is the true God. We know that He is not lying. He is not a crazy person. He is the God and the supreme being of the universe. So we are not fanatics. We are just believers. Actually, we should be calling ourselves as slaves. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul called himself when he was writing the epistles. He said, I am a slave of Christ. 
although the Bible, in the English Bible, he calls himself a servant, literally, the word servant in the Bible means a slave. You know what the, what the difference between a slave and a servant? A servant can choose to disobey his master. He has his own free will and choice to do or to obey or disobey the master. But a slave is different. A slave says, whatever you tell me, master, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to refuse. I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say yes at all times. And that's why I'm reminded of what Brother Ronnie shared with us. Surrender. That's the key word to the Christian. It's not just, just about being saved. It's about being surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. Completely, 100%. Not just half-hearted devotion to Him. Because when we do that, definitely people will persecute us. They will cause, call us names. And they will call us crazy people. Physical. Persecution can also take the form of false accusations. In Acts chapter 6, verse 11, this group of so-called witnesses congregated and they accused Stephen, the first Christian martyr, in Acts chapter 6, verse 11. What did they do? They said, We have heard him, Stephen, speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. But actually, he did not say anything against Moses against the law, against God himself. But they congregated, they fabricated, they manufactured lies and accusations against Stephen. So what happened to Stephen? He was sentenced to death by his own people. He was stoned to death. And you know who's the very person watching the Jewish people stone Stephen to death? Saul, who became later the Apostle Paul. He was watching them stone Stephen unto death. So persecution takes the, those different forms. And perhaps some of you have experienced this kind of persecution. Perhaps, probably not physical harm, because you know it's unlawful to do it. Whether that is a physical persecution or not, physical harm is unlawful. But perhaps you have been reproached or insulted by unbelievers, or they could have falsely accused you of something that you did not do, okay? And those are the forms of persecution. And remember, Jesus Christ experienced all these things. So we cannot say, I'm isolated. I'm the only one who is experiencing physical harm, reproach, and false accusations. Even our Lord Jesus Christ experienced those same things. You will also be persecuted when you live righteously. When you are living the right kind of behavior, in the face of other people, they will also persecute you one time or another. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. So he said, I have lived the righteous and the godly kind of life. And even if I did all those things, verse 11 said, Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. So he said, even though I do good things in the, in, in the Lord, I may be thinking that God will always protect me. No. 
I still experienced persecutions and afflictions when I came into different cities and towns, all at the Macedonian province. But this is what he said, What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord, out of them all the Lord deliver me. And then he said in verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's a fact. That's the truth. If we are going to live and behave right in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ, sometime soon, we will be persecuted by other people, especially by the unbelievers. But this is not a warning to make us fearful or to get us scared. This is a warning for us to be prepared so that when those things happen in our lives, especially here in the, in the Canadian culture, then we will be ready. We will not be surprised. And we will not blame God because God has forewarned us. God has taught us already that we will suffer persecution if we live right in the eyes of God. Thirdly, you will also be persecuted when you live like Christ. Of course, when people see that you are an example, an expression of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then they will also persecute you. This is what he said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. That's a powerful word, hated. It's not just a superficial word that means I don't like you, but means I really hate you, I despise you. I don't want you in my sight. I want you out of my sight because you are a Christian because you are a disciple. You are a follower of Christ. Why would that happen? In John chapter 15, verse 20, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ said. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Who is our Lord? Who is our master? Jesus Christ. If he, our master and Lord, was persecuted, was hated by all men, even by his own family members, can we exempt ourselves from being persecuted by other people? If you are a servant and your master is the Lord, then we will experience the same situation just like the Lord. We will also be persecuted. He said, if they have persecuted me, Jesus, they will also persecute you. They will persecute all of us. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. That's the heavenly Father. We are not greater than our master, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. So if he experienced all kinds of persecution all throughout his lifetime, we will experience persecution also. That's the truth. That's a statement of fact that we can never ignore in our life. Secondly, we need to rejoice. How should we respond when we are being persecuted? We need to rejoice when persecuted. Why? Because you will receive a great reward. Okay, verse 12 says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. What is the reward? Going back to verse 10, it says, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The reward is heaven itself because we are saved. And 
persecution is just like a topping on top of that cake that we are experiencing right now. Although that's not a, a good kind of topping, that's the situation that all of us will experience in order for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. Remember, persecution is not the way to be saved. We are saved by Christ alone, but persecution will be a characteristic of a true, saved, and born-again believer. So the reward is heaven itself. And when we are in heaven, who are we going to see? Our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? And of course, we're going to see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. We're going to see, him, see them face to face. Even though God is called a spirit, we're going to see him visibly. I don't know how we're going to see him, but we can see him with our eyes. Because remember, when we go to heaven, our bodies will no longer be these corruptible bodies. Our bodies will be incorruptible. And we can see everything, especially our God, our Heavenly Father. But there are more than these things that the, that the Word of God promises to us as rewards. It's not only heaven. The Bible tells us the five crowns. The five crowns that we can receive as reward for our service and our suffering when we are persecuted. So let me give you all these five rewards. The first one is the crown of salvation. The crown of salvation, which is also called the soul winner's crown. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 says, For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. So the crown of rejoicing refers to the people that we have led to Christ. Let me ask you this. You don't need to answer me right now, but evaluate yourself. All throughout your life as a Christian, how many people have you talked to about the gospel? And how many of those people were you able to lead to Christ? Think about that. You and I, all of us, in this church and in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are supposed to be soul winners. That's our primary responsibility. And that's what we call the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That means you tell them about Jesus Christ, you lead them to Christ, and if they're ready, lead them into a prayer so that they can also be converted and be born again. How many people have you led to Christ? How many people have you talked to about our Lord Jesus Christ? All of us are soul winners. Not only the pastor, not only the male leadership here, not only some of the mature ladies, but everybody from the young person who is a, who is a Christian even to the most senior in our church membership who is a Christian. All of us are supposed to be soul winners. And people that we lead to Christ, they will be our crowns. Can you imagine perhaps the Apostle Paul? He has led many people to Christ. He has so many crowns out there in heaven. Don't you want to have those crowns, the crowns of salvation? It's not bad, it's not wrong or evil to say, Lord, I want to lead many people to Christ because I want to have those crowns. Because God wants us to desire to have those crowns, the crowns of salvation. And I challenge you, 
this coming week. Apply what we have learned in our witnessing workshop. Use them with your family members. Start with them because they are the closest to you. And then branch out to the friends outside your family membership. The, you reach out to your co-workers, schoolmates, friends in the past. Talk to them. Just like what Sister Marty is always telling us when, he, when she talks over the phone with the customer service people, she always ends with the gospel. We can walk. We can go out to our community. Why don't we share the good news to people? Secondly, we have the crown of everlasting life. This is what we call the faithful Christian's crown. James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So these crowns will be given to those people who endures, who perseveres in the trials of life. Trials that are brought about by your being a Christian. Because there are some so-called trials or challenges or problems that are brought about not by our being Christian, but because of our own wrongdoing. So those trials that are brought about by our own wrong actions, they will not be given rewards, but we are given rewards when we endure those trials brought about by being a good servant and faithful steward of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we call the crown of life. Thirdly, we have the crown of righteousness. This is the crown given to those who live and look for Christ's return. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. How many of you are desiring right now to see Jesus Christ up there in the air to rapture each one of us? Let me have a show of hands. Don't be embarrassed. Wow, only quite a few. Some of you are not ready yet. Wow. <laughs> the Bible says, unto all them that love is appearing. If you love his appearing, you want him to come back very, very soon. Then that's one crown already. The crown of righteousness. So what do, we, what do I mean by loving is appearing? That means we are doing whatever we can do in, in order to hasten the second coming of our Lord Jesus. Don't you know that we can hasten the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ even though we cannot specify the specific date? We can hasten the second coming of Jesus Christ. How? Share the good news. If the Lord Jesus Christ and God himself sees that many people are getting saved, many people are getting revived, then perhaps that will be the signal for God himself to bring back our Lord Jesus Christ into the air and to rapture each one of us. He wants us to share the good news. He wants us to share the crown of righteousness. He wants us to desire his second coming. I know, I remember Sister Marty, has, when I talk to her, she's always have that, even in, his, in her emails, looking for Christ's return. Even Grandma Rose, in the past, when she was talking to me, she's always telling, I hope and I'm waiting that Jesus Christ will be coming back very, very soon. I know, you don't need to become 
70 or 80 years old to desire the second coming of Christ. Even if you are a young believer, you can always have that heart's desire. Lord, hasten your coming, please. I want to see you soon. Before I pass on, I want to be raptured. It's not a wrong thing to do. That's what God wants us to do. Every one of us should be eagerly waiting for the second coming. Fourthly, we have the incorruptible crown. This crown is for the victorious Christian. This is the Christian who has endured until the end. This is the Christian who went to the finish line. These are people who did not say, Oh, I'm halfway through. I, I cannot do it anymore. I give up. These are people who are victorious because they have crossed the finish line. 1 Corinthians 9.25 Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Just last month, all of us witnessed the Kansas City Chiefs get that Super Bowl trophy. But that trophy is corruptible. That could have rust after some time. But God wants us to seek something that is incorruptible. And that is the crown that only God can give us. And we can only have that victorious Christian's crown when we finish the line, when we don't give up. When you tell God, Lord, I'm so tired, I'm burned out, but I can see the finish line. I'm almost there. I can see Jesus Christ waiting for me, for, for me and for all of us. So I'm going to endure and persevere. We need to have that kind of characteristic as Christians. We need to endure and to persevere. And lastly, we have the crown of glory. This crown is for the faithful pastor. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4 says, When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So these are the, past, the pastors who are faithful. Not all the pastors, but pastors who have been faithful to their calling. Faithful to the sharing of the good news. Faithful in serving Christ through His church. These pastors will be given this crown of glory. And this crown of glory does not fade away. It cannot be compared to the material things of this world. But what do we do with all the crowns? Perhaps you, you, will, you will ask yourself, yes, we have all these crowns. Uh, Pastor, I have these crowns of salvation. I brought many people to Christ. Then what would I do with those crowns? Will I wear them in heaven? Look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 10. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, that's the heavenly Father, and Jesus Christ on his right side, and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And what did they do with the crowns? They cast their crowns before their throne. They cast their crowns before the throne. So they lay the crowns before the throne of God. We are not going to wear the crowns because we're going to offer them to the Lord God himself. So can you imagine? You're going to have an offering to the Father who gave up His only begotten Son for each one of us. It's sad if we are in heaven, we cannot even offer to God any kind of crown. And that's why as members of this church, I encourage you to serve God faithfully. 
and seek these crowns because these crowns will not be ours these crowns will be offered to the lord god himself and that should be our motivation to continue to serve god faithfully and with perseverance lastly in our passage this morning we ought to rejoice also when persecuted because you are in good company because sometimes when we experience problems we might think that we are alone we thought that we are the only one experiencing these trials because of our christian faith uh, elijah remember elijah after he defeated all these prophets of baal he was hunted down by jezebel and jezebel wanted to kill him because he killed all the prophets of baal the evil prophets so what did he do he went to a cave by himself and he told god god please take my own life because i'm the only one serving you faithfully but lo and behold god said to him no you're not the only one there are still several thousands of people who have not bowed down their knees before baal sometimes we think that we are alone in the in our walk of faith sometimes we think that we are isolated remember we are a church we belong to the body of christ all of us experience this kind of afflictions in our life and when one experiences a problem a trial or even a persecution every other member of this church will feel and experience that kind of persecution and affliction so you are not alone you are in good company hebrews chapter 11 verse 36 tells us others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings yea moreover of bands and imprisonments these are the persecution that the people in hebrews 11 experienced verse 37 they were stoned and take note this is gruesome they were sown asunder can you imagine they were sown asunder they were divided into two using a, a big saw that's horrifying but you know what these people are rejoicing why because they are they're experiencing all these things for the sake of christ and you know it's okay if they do physical harm against each one of us and if the, we pass on from this world where are we going we're going to heaven and that's a much better place to be in they were tempted they were slain with the sword they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute afflicted and tormented see you are in good company these things that they have experienced perhaps we are not going to experience in our own time and life but if we are being persecuted we can rejoice because other people also have been persecuted and that means that we are true christians just like those people in the book of hebrews in verse 38 of whom the world was not worthy they wandered in deserts and in mountains in dens and caves of the earth and what is appalling here in verse 39 is that these all having obtained a good report through faith okay that means they have shown a good testimony they have shown to the world during the time that they are followers of christ they did not receive the promise some of them have not even saw, seen the lord jesus christ 
Some of them have just looked forward to the salvation that Christ is going to offer all people. But you know what, my brothers and sisters? We have experienced Christ and His salvation. We have the complete Bible to encourage us. We have the complete Bible to teach us, to instruct us on how to respond when we are being persecuted. And then lastly, in verse 40 here, God having provided some better thing for us, that they, the people in Hebrews 11, without us, should not be made perfect. What does that mean? That means that all the people in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith and all the saints, all the believers, all throughout time, Old Testament times, New Testament times, the ones who died in the past in our generation, the ones who are here right now living, all of us will comprise the people of God up there in heaven. And that will complete the body of Christ up there in heaven. So can you imagine all the saints will be there in heaven? And without us, there will be no completion of the body of Christ in heaven. What are the good things that we can pick up when we are persecuted? There are four things that I would like to share with you. And I pray and hope that this will be an encouragement. Persecution can be good to all of us because it takes our eyes off the earthly rewards. When we are being persecuted, we're not going to look at the material things and the world, the things that it can offer us. But instead, when we are persecuted, there's only one person that we're going to look up to, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, persecution strips away superficial belief. Because persecution is like a filter. It's a, it's a filter separating the goats from the sheep. Remember, at the end of time, at the end of tribulation period, Jesus Christ will separate all the so-called believers into two groups, the goats and the sheep. Because not all believers will be truly born again and be saved during that time. The goats are the fake believers. They are just saying that they are believers, but they were not. But the sheep will be the true believers during that time. And persecution will be the delineating filter that will separate the goat and the sheep. The persecution. Because with persecution, true Christians will endure. True Christians will persevere. While fake Christians, they will give up. They will say, Lord, I quit. Just as during the time of the pandemic, uh, as you will, uh, if you can remember, there are some youth pastors in North America who said, there's so much going on in the world, too, too, too much of this pandemic, too much of the famine in Africa. I can't believe in this God who can allow all these things to happen. So they gave up. They said, I'm renouncing my faith. I'm no longer a pastor. I'm no longer a Christian. But does that mean that they lose their salvation? Of course not. That means perhaps in the first place, they're not truly saved. They are just claiming that they are born again believers. Persecution and endurance and perseverance in the midst of persecution, that will separate the true from the false Christians. Thirdly, persecution strengthens the faith of those of those in leader. What happened to these people in the Bible who suffered persecution? Like Daniel and the three boys. When they battled 
the persecution of the king, what the happened to them? They become more strength, strong in their faith. They were strengthened in their faith. They, they become bolder in their faith. So persecution has a great benefit to all of us. It helps us to strengthen our faith. Because when we are persecution, persecuted, who are we going to turn to? Are we going to turn to the pastor? Are we going to turn to a fellow brother, sister, Christ? Or are we going to turn to our family members? No. When we are being persecuted, we turn to Christ. We tell Him, Lord, help me. It's only you who can help me persevere and respond positively to this persecution. And lastly, persecution can help us because our attitude through it can serve as an example to others who to follow. When we show that in the midst of persecution, we endure, we don't give up. We show to our younger generation here that true Christianity is not just about a bed of roses. It's filled with thorns, prickly thorns, and we need to respond positively to those thorns in our Christian life. And that could be a great example to all our young generation. So no matter what persecution you face today, I challenge you, remain faithful to Christ. Continue to seek Him because one day, all of us will receive a joyful reward in heaven, including the crowns. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for letting us know, Lord, that persecution is inevitable. We cannot escape from it. But what is important is how we respond to the persecution. When people insult us or perhaps harm us physically or accuse us falsely, Lord, because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, help us, Lord, to rejoice because we know that we have a great reward in heaven. We know that we are in great company. All the other prophets in the Bible and even our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in other parts of the world who are being persecuted, they are part of the body of Christ. And we can rejoice because we know that even in the midst of these troubles in our life, we know that you are always with us. Help us, Lord, to remain faithful to you at all times, not to give up, not to quit, but to endure until the end. Lord Jesus, we are awaiting your second coming. We want you to rapture us anytime soon according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.